Danish Dynamite, the Superliga podcast, brought to you by footballindenmark.com. Welcome to Danish Dynamite, the Superliga pod. And doesn't time fly? This is episode six already. And certainly when I started doing this, it felt like there was lots of football to go before the winter break. But now the World Cup is rapidly approaching the extended winter break, which is going to be three months, unbelievably, three months with no Superliga football. What are we going to do? Um, I haven't really got that World Cup fever yet that I normally get. I don't know if it's just the time of the year or the various issues surrounding the tournament, but I'm just not that buzzing about it yet. Maybe when it starts, things will change. But for the moment, I'm certainly feeling like we're in the thick of a really interesting club season and that's about to be taken away from us for a few weeks. But let's enjoy it while it's still here. A few people have asked me, actually, what's the plan for the podcast over the winter break? And the truth is, I think it's going to be very hard to do weekly content when all we've got is transfer rumors. But I do have a few things planned over that period. So next week, there will be the final regular season podcast, but I've got at least one or two other special episodes up my sleeve for the forthcoming weeks. So there will still be some Danish football content for you to get stuck into over the festive period and beyond. One thing I was wondering, actually, as I was recording this is, where do you listen to the podcast? I know certainly for myself, I have certain podcasts I listen to on the way to work, on the school run, while I'm cooking, whatever it might be. And those podcasts kind of fit into my life at different points of the week. So I'm interested, does Danish Dynamite occupy a particular time of day or time of the week for you? It would be really interesting to know. Before we get into it, I just wanted to say thank you to the latest Patreon, Max Graves, for joining the assorted luminaries who are Football in Denmark Patreons. Thank you so much, Max, for your support. And if you want to join Max and the others like him, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash football in Denmark and you can join for the price of a coffee a month. Bargain, I hear you say. And finally, I just wanted to tell you about Pundit Games, a Danish company who have created a beautifully designed football trivia game. And it's so rare these days to have something tactile and tangible to play rather than yet another video game with pay to play or whatever it might be. And if, like me, you have family, in my case, I've got two brothers-in-law who are massive football fans and I can't wait this Christmas to take them down with my football trivia prowess. So if you want to check out this amazing game that Pundit have put together, head on over to punditgames.co.uk if you're in the UK or punditgames.dk if you're in Denmark. Have a look at what they're doing if you like it. Use the code DANISH and you will get a discount on your board game. So without further ado, let's get into the show. I've got Amelie Bremer here this week and we have got a lot to discuss. So Let's play a short musical interlude and we will get into it immediately. Welcome to the main part of the show and I'm delighted to be joined today by Amelie Bremer, host at Radio 4 and also host of the Women's Football Podcast. Amelie, welcome to the show. It's a real pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's it's my pleasure. Fantastic. We're obviously rapidly approaching the winter break. I wondered for someone who spends so much of their time thinking about football, talking about football, what are you going to do with your winter break? Ah, that's a very good question. (laughs) You have no idea how big a question that is for me because I'm I'm one of those boring, holy modern football football fans who won't be watching the World Cup in Qatar. 
So it's going to be, um, yeah, a different winter break uh, than most other football fans. But uh, I'm excited to watch some lower league games. I'm going to watch a lot of women's football and just, yeah, spend more time with my wife and my friends instead of watching a lot of football this winter. Makes sense. I, I've certainly, I've been having similar conversations with my friends. Some friends aren't going to watch it. Some are going to mm. watch it, but aren't going to buy anything or, or go to it. It's, yeah. it's a bit of a difficult one. I feel like we as football fans are being put in the position of having to be the kind of moral arbiters of uh, yeah. of what's going on, which is a bit of a shame because, you know, the World Cup comes around so infrequently that we want to enjoy it. But at the same time, there is a kind of pang of guilt this time round. Yeah, you know, we are the ones that put our hearts into the sport, put all our money and all our time into the sport. And then they go and in some way just take that away from us by putting it in a place with no football culture it's super expensive for everyone to go and yeah me I'm I mean I'm a I'm a gay woman so I I wouldn't even maybe be able to go so you know it's just yeah uh, it's sad I'm not gonna be the one who's gonna taunt people who are watching it because I understand completely why people are super excited for the world cup because I would be so um in any other scenario so yeah I just hope that it's time for reflection among football football fans and that we all, I mean, just reflect and think about what we want our beautiful sport to be. Yeah. And I think until it starts, we're not going to see quite how much reaction there is to it, how much the teams are going to toe the line versus uh, use their their position to, to take mm. a stand. So I'll, I'll report back to you. <laughs> please do. Please do. And just on a practical level, how are Superliga teams going to cope with such a long break? I think it's the biggest break in in all of the main European leagues. I, mm. I don't know why they need quite so much time off, but um, uh, it's three months without football. So, you know, the players have to stay fit. There's obviously the transfer window. How do you think the, the teams are going to kind of cope with this extended break? Yeah, I mean, I think actually some teams will be quite happy with this extended break because the Superliga is kind of broken this season. I mean, it's it's super strange. Um, and I think quite a few teams are going to be um, yeah, pretty happy about a long break, a lot of time to be with the team, a lot of time to do um, tactical adjustments and kind of implement new systems. I mean, my own team, FC Copenhagen, we have quite a new coach and, and he will be happy about the time with the team. I just heard yesterday that Obi um, will be cutting some of the players' holidays off um, to have more time with the team and adjust on, uh, as the coach Eric Hamrein said, adjust on all levels. <laughs> so that's <laughs> mentally, tactically, uh, technically. Um, yeah, so I think actually quite a few teams will be happy about it. Uh, but I mean, yeah, all in all, it's it's not something that people would want. It's just a weird season. It's a weird thing to have such a long break in the middle of everything. But now that it's, that it's here, I think, yeah, they're just going to have to make the best of it. Absolutely. And we're going to get on to Aalborg and we're going to get on to FC Copenhagen. But I thought we'd start with a result that came completely out of the blue to me. Mm. Um, you had Horsens hosting Hannes. And to be honest, we've, we've been saying for a few weeks, like Horsens... They're playing to their strengths. They've got the lowest possession of any team in the league, and significantly so. I think 41.4%, according to FOTMOB, and the next best team is Alborg with 45%. So, you know, they they dig in, hit on the break. Um, you know, they didn't have Delach, they didn't have Gomez, and yet they ran out 5-1 winners. And yeah. 
I think this is a contender for result of the season just because runners are so hard to break down. Mm. Uh, you know, everyone knows what they're capable of. Yeah. What was the, the kind of the story here? Because uh, I, I couldn't believe my eyes when I was watching it. Yeah, I mean, for sure, if you have to pick out one thing, the story was no doubt uh, the horrible injury of Patrick Karlgren, uh, the goalkeeper of, of Ranas. Um, I think it was like a, a double jaw fracture. Um, he's had surgery and it's okay, um, as far as, as I know. Um, but he's been super, super important for, for Ranas all along. Ranas has been always such solidity in the team always well coached that's that's what experts always say about honest it's so well coached it's really hard to break down even if it's not really going too well for them they will always have you know their bases well put together and then they go and lose i mean let in five goals against horses so that's just another example of this excuse my language completely superliga season um yeah and i mean horses they played really well um, and just it was just attack after attack after attack. Um, Ranas gave away loads of chances. And um, yeah, I mean, they started off so well, Ranas, but um, I, I saw the coach on Thomas Bear on, on TV after the match and he said, yeah, we are in a crisis at the moment. And you can see just the, the form of Ranas has been, yeah, <laughs> not going their way in the last, yeah few matches yeah absolutely I, I have to say when I saw that injury happen in real time I was mm. really fearful because there was there was a long stoppage you know they were opening doors to bring an ambulance onto the pitch and as an Arsenal fan I was thinking back to the Petr Cech injury many years ago when he was at Chelsea but he suffered a fractured skull in a very similar coming together and I think it affected him Going, for, I mean, it was mm. well known that he sort of wore this kind of like protective helmet thing. But yeah. I think that you know, when it when it comes to that kind of diving at players' feet and stuff like that, it must it must cross your mind. So, although it, a double jaw fracture is something that you, you don't want anyone to suffer, uh, I I was at least grateful that it wasn't also a uh, a, a head injury that could mm. have kept him out for a lot longer. But yeah, it's a big blow for them. But at that point of the game. They were already three one down, and I mean insult to injury, but he gave away a penalty in that in sure. in, in, in that injury, and so I think that Horsens were you know really good value for their win, and uh, I think that Alborg was probably sort of counting on Horsens uh, <laughs> having these injuries and having these absentees that that might help them get back into the race, and <laughs> they come out and, and put together an emphatic win like that. It's really quite something. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not the big statistics guy, but I mean, I don't even know when Horsens last scored five goals in a match. I mean, that wasn't, uh, yeah, some kind of cup game against the lower league team or whatever. I mean, that's that was insane, and 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 I mean, it wasn't just some freak thing, you know, based on on the injury or, or something. I mean, they played really well, Horsens. And and Ranas just folded completely in this match, and um, I would be sad if I was an Allbog fan because Horsens were, as you say, the team to you know put under the the you know to to go down with Lyngby, and now Horsens seem to be in a good place. So that's yeah, that's concerning for for a team like Allbog. Yeah, absolutely. And I've just done the I've just done the maths. Uh, Horsen scored 26.3% of the goals they've scored this season in that one match. So yeah, there, there you go. go. <laughs> <laughs> There's a statistic for anyone yeah. listening. Um, the next game that I wanted to kind of move on to was uh, Alborg Silkeborg. And yeah. 
I feel like for anyone who's been listening to this podcast, this is now episode six. I promise you, I've got nothing against Alborg. I, I actually predicted them to do well, but you probably won't have heard me say anything nice about them over these past six weeks because once again, they take the lead. It looks like they've got some momentum behind them. You know, the crowd there are fantastic. Mm. They always, always G the team up. And yet, once again, they collapsed and lost. They've got the lowest XG in the league. I don't know if, if that's something that you look at, but it's it's a it's certainly an indicator. Mm. And once again, they lined up without Alan Souza, who's the, the biggest chance creator in the league this season, and Lucas Anderson. And twice in a row, they've lined up without them. Twice they've lost what can Eric Cameron do? You said that he's getting the players back for some extra training, but it doesn't doesn't seem like he's getting through to them at the moment. No, not at all. And I mean, just some context for, for people listening outside of Denmark. I mean, it would, would be completely insane if Aalborg went down. They have been in the Superliga the whole era of the league. Uh, they never went down. And it's just um, a club with such tradition in one of the big cities of Denmark. Uh, as you say, a lot of fans... Um, they've won the league uh, several times. They've been in the Champions League group phase um, with Erik Hamrein as a coach. I mean, it's um, it's just a big club, and what they're doing now, right now all points towards um, yeah, they might go down. As you say, Alan Sousa, he's he's an acquired taste, I guess, but he's he certainly got that X factor that they are looking for at the moment. Uh, Lucas Anderson, the same is. His level can be um, like national team level, um, but yeah, it just seems like nothing is going their way. It's just um, they actually started well in this game. I mean, it was kind of a spicy start from from Alborg. I like that a lot. But then, just I mean, I guess it's classical for teams like this when they are uh, going through a rough patch. They get that small glimpse of what they want to do, and then if something goes. Uh, not their way, then everything just falls together completely. And I feel like that was kind of it from from Ulborg in this match. And and that's also what really points towards that they might go down because then it's just so vulnerable uh, all around f- for this club at the moment. Yeah, and the bookmakers' odds are now suggesting they're big favourites to, to get relegated. Mm. And just looking at the fixtures they've they've got coming up, you know, I looked at their next sort of six, seven fixtures and I thought, oh, I don't think there's... There's not one of these that I feel really confident that, that they're going to win. I think they play they play Norgeland next week, mm. uh, and so <laughs> you know that's uh, a near impossible task at the moment. Yeah. Do you think if the if the worst was to happen and they did get relegated, are they the sort of team that can just come straight back up in in the manner that it looks like Viola are going to do this season? You know, are they going to hang on to some key players, and and uh, or is it going to be a mass exodus? I mean. <laughs> It's just it's a hard scenario to even wrap my my head around because Olbo is is really such a big club, but everything should point toward that they like in the first place would never go down because it's such a big club. But if if that happened, then they should bounce back um, quickly, and I think so too because the club is just geared for Superliga. I mean, even though they they will go down for a season, they should be able to to pop back up. Um, quickly and, and stabilize themselves because it's yeah it's just really hard to imagine a club like that um, fall to pieces completely. I mean, we have seen other examples. Espia, um, for example, is now in, in the in the second uh, division. Um, but but yeah, I mean, Olbo, that's yeah, they belong in the Superliga. 
for people listening in the UK, for example, what would be like the equivalent? Is this like a, a Liverpool or an Arsenal going down? Yeah, I mean, maybe Arsenal because Liverpool is, is yeah really up there also these years. But some team that, that, that won the league some years back and just always been there. I mean, yeah, Arsenal is, is actually what was my first thought. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Well, the other side of the coin is that Silkeborg managed to turn around, turn it around after it was a, a poor night in Europe for them. Mm. Uh, I had great faith that they would progress against a, a pretty lackluster Anderlecht side and it wasn't yeah. to be. They fell apart dramatically, uh, the red card as well, but they were able to bounce back quickly. And often these games on the weekend coming straight after a European game can catch the team looking a bit leggy. But they found that X factor late in the game. Tony Adamson, again, is showing what a danger he can be. And yeah, it, it looks like they might be back in the mix for top four. Yeah, I mean, they just play so well, Silkeborg. When when they are on a roll and when they get the, the ball on the ground, uh, they play so fast and with such a high technical level, you really see the way that Ken Nilsson, the coach, wants to play. Um, it's really dynamic. It's it's fast, as I said. Um, and just, yeah, they have... It seems like players are just really connecting, uh, clicking in the way of thought um, and just know where each other are moving. I mean, even the goal to 1-1 was just so juicy and such a, a lot of ball movement really quickly. And then, yeah, even within the within the box um, where it should be difficult to play like that. But um, yeah, Silkeborg is, is doing it. And when they are on a roll, it's, I think it's, it's unmatched at the moment in Denmark. Um, their level is really that high. It's such a shame when you see a, a, a late winner and you see the um, see the players go over to celebrate with the away fans and they're all stuck behind this net. I just uh, <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> that's, know we that's call no that good. Net, right? I know, I know. It's the it's the Bromby net, right? <laughs> it's the Bromby net, yeah. Yeah, I mean, surely it's not necessary. I, I was with all the Silkeborg fans in London. They're a nice bunch. They they don't need yeah. a net. No, for sure not. I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and 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 bash Bonby because my club has has bad fans as well, uh, no doubt about that. So, but but I mean, it's just they made that rule and now it applies to everyone. And and I mean, I guess it's only two, three, maybe four teams that that actually need it. So that's a shame. Well. Let's talk a little bit about your team. Um, FC Co, pretty routine 3-0 win against Lungby. Um, but this crazy league that's so tight <laughs> in points, yeah. that, wi that win has taken FC Co up to third. A amazing how quickly things can change because uh, a few weeks ago we were talking about could FC Co break into the top six, you know, mm. make the championship group. And now it looks like they are five points behind V-Ball, could credibly put together a challenge there and I, th I think that it feels like things might start clicking soon yeah I mean routine victory yes against Lyngby Lyngby has been really bad unfortunately I mean still looking for the first win this season I don't think FCK played that well but I mean as you say the, the league is just insane I mean there are three points from the third place to the tenth place from Esiko in, in third place to uh, Brøndby in, in tenth place, there's only three point difference, which is just yeah mind blowing. Um, but I mean, first time the lead in the season that FCK um, wins two two games in a row, which is kind of also points uh, in the future. But I think I mean it it can seem a little 
little strange to say on the back of a 3-0 victory, but I think FC Core are still looking for their goals, uh, still looking for that consistent goal scorer. We hoped that it was Cornelius coming back from Turkey, but he's amazing as kind of a link-up player. They can just completely bang the ball on his head or his chest or whatever, and he will he will pick it down. But but we still need our you know our number nine to score the goals consistently, and yeah, we're still looking for that. What about Kuma Babakar, Copenhagen superstar? What can I say? I mean, <laughs> we need to get rid of that guy. I, I don't even know. Karamoko, the same. It's yeah, it's so strange. And um, good thing was that that Mo Darami seems to be back on track. Uh, Nestrup, the coach, also said um, after the game that Mo is back. He's been playing like we know he can play, and and that that just looks so well. There was something that that crossed my mind. Uh, now Christian Chansen played a few games behind Mo Darami on the left back, uh, left wing back. And um, it just seems that they're, they they haven't really clicked the two of them. Christian uh, mm. Janssen had a bad game. And to me, it seems like when Darami has Victor Christiansen behind him on the left back, it's just like those two can play each other with, with closed eyes. They know where the other one is going. And Mo Darami has more faith in, in Victor Christiansen to go on the outside and then uh, do the cross. But when it's Sjansen behind him, it's just not working as it should be at the moment. Um, maybe it's a startup, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was wondering about that because obviously his attacking output for, for Viborg was so impressive. And yeah. th- that's really his strong suit. You know, before Viborg, he played as a winger. And I wonder if him playing with Dharami, they're, they're almost stepping on each other's toes a little bit because they're both very attacking and Christensen gives a bit more balance. You know, he, he's he's good at both ends. And I, it, it's increasingly looking like a bit of a strange move, that Sorensen transfer. On paper, it looked like a complete slam dunk. But actually, mm. I think Christensen is such a such a top player. I, I wonder if it's worth maybe using Sorensen higher up as a, more of a replacement for Dharami than a replacement for, for Christensen. What do you think? Am, am I crazy? I don't know that he would work up there, uh, but we need a replacement for Darami because, as it stands, he, he will go back to Ajax, um, not not too um, too long from here. But as you say, when we acquired Sørensen, we all hoped for his offensive skills. I mean, the way he kicks the ball, his um, uh, set piece abilities, um, and we haven't really seen any of that. I mean, his corner kicks are bad. His his link up play with the other guys are, are not too well. Um, and and the offensive things that he should bring that he brought for Vipo. So obviously he can't do that. Um, he haven't really brought that for for FGK uh, yet. I'm also thinking like, have he played consistently yet? Like five six games in a row? No, he haven't. So maybe we're just being too harsh. But um, yeah, That's true. I'm. I'm 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 hoping that that they can figure it out because in my mind, I mean, Christiansen and and Mo, that's that's a wonderful partnership on the left side. And we should probably talk about the the young Swede on the right hand side because once again, Rooney Bardaji, really instrumental. I've started watching some of the games with my with my son, and when I told him that Rooney was 16, he started laughing because <laughs> he couldn't really understand why there was a, someone who wasn't an adult playing. Um, and I think that that just made me remember actually, this guy is still so young mm. and he's playing at such a high level. It's it's pretty frightening um, <laughs> how how good he is. 
Yeah, I mean, the way he can drive the ball in such high pace, that's his his biggest win in my mind. I mean, the the, the comparison to, to, to dribblers, left-footed dribblers like Leo Messi, that's obviously way too big of a step um but but he's like he, he's going there or in that direction in, in some ways um and yeah i just he has a lot of potential and i just hope that they kind of dose his his games um the right way because we also saw that he maybe were put forward a little too early Mm. put forward a lot a little too early and then had a dive in his form um so i feel like nestop has um a job there to just bring him at the right time and at the round, right uh, amount but i mean in the match against lungbu he was yeah as you say instrumental and the way that we can open up the pitch because in my mind against lungbu are really good in the center of the park but the way we could open up the pitch with the Dharami to the left and, and Rooney to the right, and also those two actually playing each other um, sometimes, that was really the key to to, um, to scoring the goals that we did. I wondered, with the, the Champions League campaign has obviously come to a halt going into the final game against Dortmund, there was obviously nothing to play for but pride. And I, I think by scoring a goal, that lifted a lot of spirits. What, <laughs> yeah. what was your kind of takeaway of, of the campaign? Was it one that you'll look back fondly on? Champions League is what FC Copenhagen wants to be a part of. Um, so I will always take that. And I think when you qualify for the Champions League, you have the risk of, of going to a group that like the one we, we ended up in. And then you just have to, to take what you can get. I mean, obviously it was disappointing that we only scored one goal and it was kind of a charity goal at the end of everything. But I mean, me as a fan going to Parken to watch FC Copenhagen against a team like Manchester City in the Champions League night uh, in Copenhagen, that's that's what we want as Copenhagen fans. I mean, and, and that's that, that was kind of the key for me, that game, actually, because I, there was so much VAR and, and the penalties and everything, but uh, red card, obviously, but we should have scored in that match. And and that was such a shame because that, that's, that obviously would have lifted everything, uh, maybe even just had it been a 1-1 draw or whatever, but, but um, yeah, we actually had our opportunities then and also against... Sevilla um, in the first match in, in Parken. So, yeah, kind of missed opportunities in this Champions League, but all in all, with the group we were in and kind of the the troubles that the team had also in the Superliga, then I guess I guess it's okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, okay, but, but a little disappointing. Got it. And, I mean, ultimately, FC Co were unbeaten at home uh, across the three Yep. home group games and I think that given the difficulty of the group I think that that is still a very impressive achievement yeah we will we will hold on hold on to that one for as long as we can <laughs> <laughs> and just give me a one word answer on this if you had to sell one of Camille Grabara or Matt Ryan this winter as is looking likely which one would you sell and which one would you hold what word answer that's difficult in me um sell Grabara Wow. Yeah, I mean, not... Okay, I have to elaborate for one second. Uh, Grabara, obviously, I would love for him to be the FCK goalkeeper for a long time, but I think we can actually sell him for a lot of money because he has the age. And then, yeah, I think uh, Matt Ryan is a really, really good... I mean, he's too good to be a backup keeper in a club like FC Copenhagen, so so I would be happy with him if we could make a lot of money on Grabara. That makes sense. All right, great. Let's... um. <laughs> 
Let's talk a, a little bit about one of the teams on the other side of the, the Copenhagen derby, Bromby, who went to Odense mm. and got a one-all draw. I guess the first question I've got for you is, OB are in some pretty good form, I would say. Uh, what's been responsible for that? Because at the beginning of the season, I, I, I saw quite a lot of negative energy towards Andreas Alm. And mm. I think there was a feeling that this season could go very wrong for them. And actually, it's turned it around. And they're looking like quite a hard side to beat, as the match on the weekend will confirm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so easy to say now on the backside of everything. But in my mind, OB has just been rewarded for being stubborn in a way. And just holding on to the continuity with Andreas Alm. I mean, it's so easy to get rid of the coach if things aren't going your way. But yeah, in, in their boardroom, they've been like, this is the guy for us and, and he will turn it around. And I think that's that's an example for other Superliga clubs to look at and, and not just, you know, get rid of the coach uh, first thing when, when p- things aren't going your way. That's what I would like for, for the club that I support, that they just trust that they made the right choice with the coach that they picked and and stick by him. I mean, not, not to watch everything, but from the outside, Andreas Elm is, is, seems like a good coach. He seems like a good good guy. Um, he's a good communicator. Um, and yeah, so I guess, yeah, a reward for being holding on to, to, their, to their continuity. And Mateus, oh, I'm never going to pronounce this name correctly, but Mateus Greif. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, <laughs> he had a very good game on the weekend and I think that there were signs that he might be recapturing some of the form that, that was so special at Hannah's. And I think if they could if they could start getting more of a tune out of him, I think it would be a really big bonus for them. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to figure out this this point between because yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. I mean in, in glimpses it's really good. And in, in in big periods, it's really really bad. And I'm not saying that as an FC Co fan. I'm I'm just saying that as a as a viewer of the Superliga. And uh, it's kind of a yeah, it's kind of a riddle uh, this point with team because um, it also seems like they are going in the same traps, game after game after game, getting an early lead and then just stops playing um, and just waiting for things to go bad. And it seems like this in, in this game as well. And that's what I'm also kind of hearing from their fans. Like, please keep attacking as Nils Frederiksen once wrote <laughs> on a sign. Yeah. And, you know, keep playing. Um, but they kind of stopped playing. And that, that yeah, that was to Obi's advantage because um, they didn't stop playing. I wondered what's, what's going to be the effect of the, this new ownership on the January window. Do you think they're going to go for a big splurge to win over some of the doubters or do you think they're going to keep their money dry until the summer when they can spend it a bit more methodically? I mean, um, the sports director or football director, Carsten V. Jensen, I, I, I heard him speak about this and I mean, they are going to look on uh, after players that are quality, like they like they picked up in the last window, that's like Ves and Ohi and Vallis, that's, that's expensive players for a club like uh, Point Bu. And it seemed like they would go for players like that also in the future. I'm not sure if it's going to be in the winter window. I guess that's also depends on. I mean, the, the last match are they are they trying to pull some great escape to go to go to top six or are they like okay we just need to to get we will go in the bottom six and then just 
crush everything there and that'll be fine with the with the team that we have. They need quality on on several positions, I think. And also players going out maybe. I mean, Andreas Maxi, there's been so much talk. He's not in the best place of form at the moment. Um, will he finally go or is he there for good now? And yeah, I mean, a lot of things can happen. It's uh, it's hard to say, but for sure, my impression is that, that Brønby will get better and more expensive players that they've been used to for a long time. Interesting. Well, watch this space. They've only got five games to, to pull off the, the great escape. So <laughs> let's see. But one team who will not need to be pulling any escape maneuvers is Viborg, mm. who... Came out of a, a game with AGF uh, one all, so I think that was probably a fair result, all things considered. But particularly notable was uh, J. Roy Grot um, scoring again, and he still. I think one of the things that I noticed about him when when he first came to the league was he misses a lot of big chances, and Ooh. he's still doing that. I think he's second in big chances missed with eight in the league, but eight goals and two assists. And I think that whenever you get a player in the Superliga who starts scoring goals like that, it's pretty hard to ignore when you're another team. And I, I can think of uh, certainly a couple of teams in the Superliga who are crying out for a, a number nine at the moment. FC Michelin. I can think of one. One of them, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and, well, and uh, and, and FC Co. And I wonder if going for a tried and tested player from the league might be the way that one of these teams go, given how cheaply you can shop in the Superliga. Yeah, I mean, he's that he's that big number nine that we touched upon earlier. Um, FC Midtjylland, they have sorry Kabar, but in I don't think Albert Capellas doesn't believe in him. That was pretty obvious also from the game today where he didn't even put him on. He he put on a defender instead at the end of the match, which was kind of weird. Um, but I mean, I think FC Co fans are, are dreaming for a guy like uh, J. Roy Gould for as a replacement for for Andreas Cornelius if he um, goes back to Turkey. Um, but honestly, with the way that the Groot is performing at the moment, I would think he would be shooting for a better league than than the Superliga um, if he goes. Yeah, yeah. I remember someone saying at the beginning of the season, like, he's really good for, for, for Viborg, but if he was any better, he wouldn't be playing in Viborg and therefore <laughs> he wouldn't be reality. playing in the Superliga. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the kind of the, the reality that we live in. And sure. I, I, I do wonder sometimes that teams live on this sort of knife edge where they need to be good enough to compete. But as soon as a player becomes too good, then they mm. leave and then you sort of go back a couple of steps. So, yeah. I, you know, I think about Durami, for example, last season, there were times where it looked like if he was going to stay for the whole season, he was going to absolutely shoot the lights out. And instead mm. he went and had a very average season in, in Ajax where he barely played. And his development was kind of set back from that. And sure. yeah, you do, you do, it must be hard as a fan to sort of, to know that if you do too well, your team gets gutted. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and it, it's 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 kind of a déjà vu over and over again with the players from a lot of teams that are really just, as you say, destroying the league. And then they have to find that sweet spot of where to go next because I think a lot of players are coming back to the Superliga because they take a, a too big of a step uh, when they go or other factors. I mean, it can't be everything. It can be a new coach or whatever. But, um, but um, yeah, that's, that's for sure a big... Um, a big thing for, for players of the Superliga. I mean, where can you go? For, uh, Darami, I think people thought, yeah, Ajax is a good place for him. I mean, place with a lot of tempo, uh, technical football, that would be fine. 
But um, yeah, as you said, he he barely played, and um, and he would come like in some sense crawling back to FC Copenhagen uh, and beg for for playing time. Um, so that that was that was strange. But um, yeah, I mean, JY Groot also because of his his nationality. I mean, he's he's already away from home, being in Denmark. So yeah, uh, I don't know I would be guessing like maybe Belgium or something like that. Hmm. Okay, and another. Big number nine was also on the field scoring. Patrick Mortensen, yeah. he seems to be the man that never ages. Uh, just constantly a threat. I think he's top scorer at the moment in the league. And yeah, he looks like he's powering AGF towards a, a top six finish. Yeah, I mean, AGF played really well in the first half, I think. Um, it was kind of a game of two halves. Second half was definitely Vibo. But um, yeah, Patrick Mortensen, he's just such a proven goal scorer. He's been doing it for for a long time now. And he's just the kind of, of striker that every team wants because he's just there in the right place in the right time over and over again. Um, and yeah, I mean... Great beard as well. I mean, how can we not love him? <laughs> and in the in the stands uh, across the across a number of stadiums this weekend, there were some quite big protests, uh, not just within Denmark, but actually across the Bundesliga and other leagues as well mm. against the, against Qatar. And the Vibor fans made their their thoughts on this known. I saw you tweeted about this and said it's reflective of what Vibor are doing on and off the pitch that they're you know that they're. Uh, always got their finger on the pulse. What did you make of the uh, the TIFOs and the, the protests as a, as a whole? Yeah, I mean, for, for the ones who didn't see it, there was a banner in the Vibo end that said Boycott Qatar. And then they made kind of a, a, a chant together with the AGF fans. So one side shouted Boycott and the other one shouted Qatar. So that was kind of coming together as, as the fan groups and, and making the statement. Um, and as you said, I, I tweeted about this beforehand because we saw on, on Saturday many, many big clubs clubs from uh, Germany made protests with huge banners. Uh, the, uh, you know, the, the yellow wall, Gelbe Wand in, in Dortmund, there was huge banners uh, and they've been doing this for a long time. And yeah, I'm, I'm invested in, in the World Cup in Qatar and all the human rights violations and so on. So I was just wondering, I mean, why didn't we see any of this in Denmark? Because we kind of like to, to tell ourselves that we are progressive and we are modern and we, we are, you know, um, first movers on, on stuff like this. So I just wondered, I mean, why we didn't see anything from, from active fan groups in, uh, in Denmark. Uh, but yeah, Vibo now, second time around with the Boycott Qatar banner. And um, yeah, just I tip my hat, hat to them. And the the Halloween stuff last week was really great as Amazing. well. So yeah, yeah they're they're doing fantastic stuff. Yeah. So yeah, really. uh, hats off to them. Yeah. Um, as you alluded to, there was one other match which took place uh, just before we recorded today, and it was uh, FC Michelin playing out a nil nil draw with mm. league leaders FC Norgeland. Once again, Albert Capellas put all the squad names into a hat and drew, <laughs> drew names to find out who was playing. There was Sorensen, Steven Garterman played, Edward Chilufia played. There, mm. were, there were all sorts of, uh, all sorts of names who aren't the necessarily first names on the team sheet. And it ended up being, uh, it, I wouldn't say it was a terrible game, but it, it, it was a terrible game. I, but, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was maybe two out of five. Uh, I've seen yeah. worse. I've seen worse, basically. <laughs> but at the same time, it gave me more faith that Norgeland could easily be title contenders than it did that Michelin were going to be challenging them. That was basically my main takeaway from it. 
Yeah, but that's a great takeaway. And I mean, um, I think it's it's easy to just be like, oh, that was a bad game, uh, no goals, whatever. Um, but I mean, that's a big result for Norseland. That's a big result for any team to go to Herning, to go to FC Midtjylland and get a draw because um, it's it's difficult to play against Midtjylland in, uh, on their home turf. I mean, I can, I can sign off on that as an FC Copenhagen fan. Um, so yeah, as you said, I mean, bad game in general, but I think, yeah, I think Norseland was the better team. I mean, they, they had the, the, the bigger chances. They, they also, they always play with such dynamic. Uh, it's a fun team to watch, even when it's not going too well. Um, and yeah, I mean, and I just want to say, I'm so happy that the, the penalty weren't awarded. In yeah. the end, there was a VAR situation where the linesman said that it was a, a penalty with uh, for hands. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not too fond of VAR, but uh, in this situation, I'm happy that, that VAR could roll it back and um, and not give the penalty because that would have been just, yeah, uh, that would have been, oh my God, I can't even. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought so too. And actually, when the when the referee went over to the monitor, they like they showed one replay and then just paused it. And I <laughs> yeah. thought, are they going to show it again? And then they just ran off and said no penalty. So I thought, yeah. well, okay, I, I, I was a bit worried that they were they were leading the witness there and that they were just going to pause it until he gave it. I think it was just because he didn't need to see anything else than that. He was just immediately turned around and was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> that was never a penalty. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so that was a, a little a good, good takeaway from that one. But I mean, just in, in terms of stabilizing the league, and now I'm speaking a little bit as an FC Copenhagen fan, but I guess also... Uh, for other teams there in the middle of the league, um, this was a good result for other teams, uh, the draw. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Midtjylland really needed the three points to to hang in there. Yeah, and I, th- I think that we, we we talk quite a lot about how dangerous Norgeland are going forward. You know, Villadsen bombing down the wings and obviously Sheldrup and Nuama. Mm. Uh, and, they, and, you know, they've got so much talent in that department. But actually, I think what, what this showed is that... Um, they're they're equally talented at the other end of the pitch you know they've yes they're the team that have conceded the fewest goals per match they've got the most clean sheets and I think that in uh in Hansen and in Bidstrup and uh in in that whole defensive unit I think they've they've got a really um I I don't know how they've done it in a season because last season it was anything but but (laughs) they've they've really become a a formidable team at at keeping the the opposition out too so all power to them yeah I mean it's it's quite a a boring answer but it's it's continuity again I think I mean in in Fleming Pilsen they have one of this country's greatest football minds uh, on the touchline there and um, yeah they, they stuck to him even though it weren't good last season and as you say they found the balance with such talent um going forward and and then uh, Bistrop I mean even though he's young he he's from Brentford he 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 played with with the best players in the world um and and Kian Hansen as as the yeah as the main guy in the back there uh, also um now with with such a good goalie as well i like being pessimistic and then i can i can be pleasant, pleasantly surprised later but i said to to everyone that wants to listen that i think Norseland will will be um, winning the league this year because yeah i don't know they they already got a got a strong lead and it doesn't seem to stop anytime soon. At what point did you say that? Did you say that before the start of the season? No, or? I didn't say that before the start. No, I'm not that clever. Not that okay. Clever. <laughs> I was going to say, you could have made a lot of money if you said that before the start yeah, of the season. No, no, that, I'm not, I'm not a better. And that's also because I'm not that clever. But yeah, just 
some weeks ago. So it's not that I invented uh, anything or, or was super super intelligent about that. I just, yeah. I mean, every, everyone was still talking about, oh, will it be FC Co or will it be FC Midtjylland? Uh, but yeah, in my mind, I think Norseland will just cruise on and, and, and take the, the title. Brilliant. Well, let's look ahead very briefly to the games that are coming up this weekend. Do any of them immediately jump out at you as this is one that I'm going to have to be in front of the TV for or in the stadium for, perhaps? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> my own team will play AGF and that will be a spicy fixture for sure. I think that, that Ranas versus FC Midtjylland will also be a good match because, I mean, it's, it's, it's now or never for Ranas if they want to... Um, like get get off on on a, on the good foot um, um, before the break. Uh, Midtjylland as well, super important match there. Um, now that I'm looking at the matches, I mean they they kind of all look look pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean Norseland will completely better Aalborg at home, I think. Uh, but but it's 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 so hard to say, Henry, because this season has just been broken in so many ways. So I mean. In some ways, I wouldn't be surprised if Obi went to Norseland and won 2-0 or whatever. <laughs> okay, wow. Yeah, well, I, I think the, the two that look like absolute locks for me are, are Silkeborg at home to Lungby mm. and Norseland at home to Alborg. Yes, I think, I yes. think we, can, we, can, we can put those ones to bed. Yeah. I think that Viborg are going to go to Bromby as strong favourites. You um, think so? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. they're going to be favourites. It's not going to be easy, but... Yeah, but I mean, as we spoke uh, about before, I mean, Groot, Jera Groot against a shaky Brøndby defense, that's that's going to be a, a nice yeah. matchup. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think AGF FC Co is uh, going to be really interesting because, you know, the, the home crowd are really going to give the give their side yeah. an extra few percent. And I, I went to that fixture last season, but at Parken and, and the atmosphere was just uh, unbelievable. I think uh, apart from the derby that I, I'd say it's one of the kind of the biggest atmospheres that I've heard in uh, in Denmark. So that could easily end up a draw, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, as you say, it is a, a really nice fixture. And uh, I know that the way in sold out in like yeah, a matter <laughs> of minutes. So there's going to be, be fans from... from uh, for, from either team so yeah that's that's always a good one I mean two biggest cities in in Denmark battling it out uh, on the football field that's always good Horsens OB is a very hard one to call how can we call that now I mean because OB are on such a great path uh, and normally we would say okay obviously they go to Horsens and get a win but now <laughs> after Horsens beating I mean I don't know anymore is this going to be 5-4 or 0-0? <laughs> um, let me think. Okay, then it's a 0-0. Okay, all right. <laughs> it's not that OB have been scoring that much, even though they were on a good run, but yeah. And then r- rounding things off is Ghana's against Michelin. The only prediction I can give for this is that I don't think it's going to be a draw. I think one, one side's going to win it and it's just going to be who's better on the day. And we didn't talk about this when we talked about that game, but Marvin Ego has been on some form as well. You know, Such he was a, a great goal. Yeah, I, I, you know, another great goal. And he's he had quite a lot of injuries last season, so we didn't see him that much. But he's really sort of taken up the mantle, I think, as the, mm. the key striker in Hannes at the moment. Yeah, I mean, as I said, runners need a win in this one at home to to not end this part of the season completely like Luster. Um, yeah, but I mean, Michelin as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's hard to call. I can't do it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, looking forward to those to those fixtures this weekend. Of course, the last round of action before the winter break. So. 
take it all in, watch all six games. Yes. If you're in the UK, you can watch them on OneFootball or FIFA Plus apps. Get it all in because after this, we're going to be looking forward for a long time until there's more Super League action. Amelie, thank you so much for, for joining me. I know it's cold, it's late, and very much appreciated that you've uh, taken the time to, to come on here and talk. And hopefully I can twist your arm into, into coming back again in the future. Sure, Henry. I mean, it's an easy task for you because I'm, even though it's late and it's dark and it's cold and everything, I'm always up for a good uh, Superliga talk. So no problem. <laughs> Fantastic. And where can, where can people find you on, on social media or uh, on the World Wide Web? <laughs> on the World Wide Web. Um, yeah, just my name, you know, Amelia Bremer. Um, and uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and everything. And I got my women's football podcast, Quinn Football Podcasting. Um, if anyone's interested in, um, in, in dabbling their toes in, in women's football. Absolutely. Well, go listen to that. And if you want to practice your Danish, that would be the, <laughs> the, the best place to go. You can find me on Twitter at FootballInDK. Come on over to FootballInDenmark.com where there's um, it's going to be a very interesting piece next week. I spoke to a Superliga player this week and asked him all of the stuff that we've always wanted to know about what it's like to be a footballer, but nobody ever asks. So I asked him why shin pads are so small. Uh, when do you join the WhatsApp group when you join a new team? Do you have the same seat on the bus every week? Uh, I asked him all these kind of questions. Uh, do, does he look at his FIFA ratings? So that's going to be a really interesting piece. That's going to come on good. the site next week uh, or maybe this week, actually. So so we'll see. But yeah, keep a lookout. And yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, Amelie. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll catch you next time on Danish Dynamite.